Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lauren Stone, and tonight we are joined by Jonathan Michael. He graduated from Griffith University, Gold Coast, in 2015. He is a fellow of the ICOI International Congress of Oral Implantologists. He currently works in the Newcastle and Lake Macquarie area. His passion currently lies in rehabilitation cases, both surgical as well as non-surgical cases. His greatest satisfaction comes from constantly learning new skills to offer patients a more well-rounded care. Dr. Jonathan Michael, welcome to the show. You've previously mentioned that you had interests in periodontics and orthodontics, as well as considering specialization. Since then, it seems your passion now lies in more full mouth rehabilitation of either surgical or non-surgical in nature. Tell us about your journeys there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the passion, I guess, uh, is most students' passions will uh, happen at uni and uh, really liked a bit of endo. I guess uh, our scope was a bit more limited than in the real world. So endo was sort of my thing, really enjoyed doing it along with one of my good mates at the time. Um, and when I first graduated, I originally had started talking to some some people and had wanted to get a bit more involved in the endo scene. Uh, the first job I had didn't have a whole lot of endo equipment, but I tried to make do with what we had. But I guess as the days progressed, I started to find other things that I, I guess, found more interesting and more enjoyable and sort of started to sway away from endodontics. Perio wasn't as big of a, of a deal, um, although I didn't, and I didn't have any sort of implant exposure in the first year or probably eight, or even 18 months. Um, so that passion also started to fizzle a little bit until I changed jobs and um, found uh, a different mentor and, and there was a lot more surgery involved there. And I started to get more interested in implants, started to do a few more implant related training courses. And uh, that's when things started happening in that direction. And I definitely uh, would say that that's where my passion was. Um, and I guess at the same time, I could go back to uni and say I really liked oral surgery at uni as well. I was definitely happy to get my hands dirty there. Uh, but at the time, I, I don't know if it's, I think it's still po it's possible now, but at the time the oral surgery degree from Sydney Uni got canned. Uh, so I lost interest when there was no real true specialization option straight out of uni because it was something I originally wanted to do. Uh, but now I'm, I'm happy as a general dentist with special interests, I'm not really wanting to specialize as such anymore, but uh, just to continue learning new skills in the fields that I really like. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. All right, so would you say that your early interest was due to your tutor or senior dentist that you were working alongside? And when you changed jobs, that was kind of what led you down to more of what you're interested in now, like the full mouth rehabilitation side of things? 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the the second uh, boss that I had, he uh, he was the one that introduced me. He and she actually was a um, husband and wife. They introduced me to Ceric Dentistry, um, which I was super keen on getting involved in, loving technology as most people around our age do. Um, and he started. He, he would do fairly big cases, and he also. Uh, Teed up with uh, Dr. Murray Orr uh, from the Gold Coast, who went to Griffith as well. I knew Murray from from uni at the time. He's a few years above me, though. But uh, he, Murray helped us do quite a nice case one day. Uh, we came down from Queensland to Newcastle, and we did a full mouth, upper and lower, uh, all with Sarek uh, over a course of a weekend. Uh, it wasn't my case. It was my boss's case, but I was sort of involved the whole way, helping with the designing on the Sarek. And, and that's when digital dentistry became a thing and full mouth rehab became a thing. And uh, from there, I guess I developed my own passion in wanting to do more surgical things because quite often a full mouth rehab would present itself, but a lot of the time teeth would be missing. So it was either do big bridges or simple simple bridges even to then having to refer off to perios or max faxes to do the implant side of the work for you. And for me, uh, I have no issues with referring work out. I still refer things out a lot, uh, but I also felt I wanted to be the entire journey for the patient. I didn't want to have to send them away. And so implants became the next step for me. I thought, okay, I need to do some implants here so that I can tie in both the surgical aspects of dentistry and the non-surgical to be able to deliver the care all roundedly for the patient without having to refer them off. Unless of course it was a beyond my scope or beyond something I'd be comfortable doing. Right, so it sounds like you had a pretty good mentors. You got in the deep end early on. Yeah, definitely. Well, the first first place I worked at, I had no one working with me. I was completely new grad. Uh, no boss was at the practice at any point. He was at his own practice. So I had to sort of uh, figure it out all on my own. Um, and that was interesting. I guess it suited my personality. I never really wanted a lot of uh people over my shoulders even at uni i hated having to wait for tutors to come and check simple steps that we'd already been taught to do um so i did enjoy that freedom but a lot of the time there were bigger things i wanted to learn about it would have been nice to have someone there to have bounced ideas off and often on weekends i would i would hit that boss up and say hey man like what how do i do this how do i do that and that was good too and and my current uh, current boss or bosses, plural, uh, they're definitely really big on on the implant scene as well. So now I'm getting to really fulfill my true implant love, uh, getting to do lots of cases uh, because it, I guess that's what patients seek at our practices at the moment, uh, which is awesome. And I can learn from them as well and their experiences in the past and their ongoing experiences. So yeah, definitely bosses have... Uh, have shaped where my direction is going. That's not to say if I went somewhere else, I would start liking something else. I think implants and reconstructive work is uh, is where I've found my happy place, that's for sure. Cool, cool. Your Instagram profile says you're a registered Invisalign provider, certified digital smile design provider, but here I also have dermal fillers certification. And a registered, I'm gonna say this wrong, phlebotomist. What CPD did you do to get to this point? <laughs> so I did use um, some elaborate words uh, that I guess are not tech. <laughs> one could say they're true, others could say that I'm not technically not, <laughs> specifically uh, the phlebotomist one. Uh, so, phlebotomist, <laughs> um, 
uh, is effectively being able to draw blood. Um, any dentist can actually draw blood without any further training. Uh, it's really just comes down to whether you're confident to do it or not. Um, but having said that, I did do a PRF course uh, down in Sydney with Dr. Michael Walker uh, through Biomedan. Um, it was just a, it was either one day or a weekend course. I forget that now. Um, it was inspired actually by Dr. Ken Lee, who loves his CGF. Uh, and there was a whole debate about PRF and CGF. And to me, it was all the same, uh, despite what both camps would say, I suppose. Um, and the PRF course seemed a lot simpler at the time for me to get into. And to be honest, a bit more cost effective. It was shorter. It didn't really cover as much as what Ken's CGF course would cover. Uh, but for me, Ken, through I, I did an implant uh, year-long training with Ken, and he talked a lot about the, impl uh, the applications of CGF slash PRF throughout that. So I didn't feel like I needed to do a whole nother course to to learn how to use uh, the the blood concentrates, the um, the autogenous blood. Uh, yes, the ABCs. Autogenous <laughs> <laughs> blood concentrates. Uh, so I just went with. Uh, Dr. Michael Walker's case uh, course instead, being a shorter, cheaper course. And we got to practice on uh, each other, uh, how to draw blood, and also the different applications um, that uh, Joseph Shukran had uh, not come up with as such, but had sort of uh, fine-tuned. Fine and uh, that, that was a really good course. Uh, but that wasn't the first surgical course, obviously. All the implant stuff came first. And that was one that uh, helped to take my implants I'm not going to use the word level because you don't need to do CGF or PRF to do better at implants by any means, but it, it's like an accessory really. And uh, it gives us a slightly better outcomes, some some nice soft tissue healing. So it was nice to uh, to tie that in with my implant journey. Right. So you did the implants first because you were dealing with those kind of patients and those kind of procedures. And that's why you decided to dive into those courses? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, all the other stuff that, sorry, I should, you know, shouldn't ignore your question entirely. You mentioned <laughs> the Invisalign and DSD, all that stuff came before implants. I still do Invisalign, not not hundreds of cases per year by any means, maybe about you know, 30, 30, 40 cases a year of Invisalign. Um, I still enjoy a little bit of orthodontics. I don't do it uh, purely for orthodontics sake. I would say I'd do it pre-restoratively speaking uh, to put teeth into slightly better restorative positions for those more complicated cases. Uh, so that's why I try and focus my Invisalign on. Uh, and the DSD it ties in with that as well. So being able to do both DSD and Invisalign collaborations, uh, that was something that was really cool to, to have that joint account when it first, uh, no, I don't know if it first became a thing. It's in 2018 when they started to do that, it started becoming common to get DSD to communicate with the Invisalign account and, and do the planning for you so that your DSD was uh, had some orthodontic component in it as well. So that's where that those two different uh, training little res mini residency uh, courses came in, I suppose. Right. So you did do the fixed learning first or did you jump into the branded, you know, Invisalign first and then go on from there? How's that? Yeah, no, good question. Um, I actually, there was another little branded one that I actually started off with, uh, which was CFAST. I believe CFAST is the same company possibly as ClearCorrect, or maybe they're not anymore at the time I think they were. Uh, so CFAST was clear brackets that got uh, vacuum formed into 
uh, into acrylic effectively, like into suck downs and uh, placed by the specialist or whoever, the, the, the technician, I suppose, that did the did the planning. And you pretty much did quadrant at a time and do all the brackets all at once. And I guess in a similar fashion to Invisalign where you would see the before and after and uh, they would then put the brackets in the right places and give you a whole bunch of wires that you would have to change uh, based on your own knowledge, I suppose. You'd start off with the smaller wire and then go, or bigger wire, I think, go to the smaller wire. I, I don't really do any fixed cases anymore. Uh, yeah. Since doing Invisalign, I completely lost interest in fixed cases, um, which I guess that comes down to me not really having a deep, deep passion in orthodontics uh, to have pursued both. I uh, just wanted that little, I guess, call it means to an end. Uh, but definitely when there's a difficult Invisalign case, uh, it's out my door straight away. I'm not, not really interested at all. You know, for someone like you to say that, it's reassuring. Because a lot of new grads coming out right now are feeling compelled to do orthodontics really quickly to take on all these kind of cases. But it's reassuring to hear from your point of view that you might start off there but slowly start to veer a little bit away from it i mean we had dr clarence tam yesterday also saying she wasn't completing ortho to the level she was happy with compared to what she expected of herself so she ended up referring a lot of that work off yeah oh definitely i guess i've spoken to a few new grads in the past and you know, they ask oh what have you done what training have you done for this and that and i always say look just just get out, start working and start finding what you think you're going to really like. And you'll discover things that you didn't think you were going to like and ended up liking or things that you thought the same as myself. Like I thought I was going to be an endodontist, realize that I don't really, like I still like root canals, but not as much as I like implants, for example. And I don't have any more desire to become an endodontist. Uh, so definitely go out there, try many different courses uh, that give you a good foundation for different fields of dentistry before you sort of find your either specialization, like actual specialization or your special interest that doesn't even require a real specialization. Cause you don't really want to get stuck doing two year courses. The second you walk out of uni, because it's a lot of investment and you might find halfway through that you hate it. So, um, and then you're stuck waiting to finish it before you can, possibly financially afford to start something else or if you can afford many things that's great but you know being a new grad not a lot of people are in that luxury uh to to be able to afford lots of uh, big courses all at once so yeah that, that would be my uh, my two cents there so how do you become certified for dsd uh, that's a really good question. Uh, with previous place I was working at, the guy, uh, the boss was uh, Spanish background, so he had a lot of connections in Spain, actually. And uh, one of one of the big educators, Lucan uh, de Arabola, he came from Madrid uh, and specifically trained our clinic at the time. So it was like a really intimate three-day wow. course uh, where he who trained us in all the DSD protocols and the photos and, and what DSD is all about. And, uh, I got my certification that way. Um, and, uh, then he, my boss went on to become a DSD master through presenting a few cases. I, I liked it at the time, but I wasn't super sold in the ideology. I, I could call it of DSD. Uh, it is really a bit of, it's not, it's not a sales trick by any means. It is. It's a really good, 
communication tool, if anything, uh, for patients and for, to enable clinicians who might not be able to do really good verbal communication to have at least some really good visual tools to show patients. And with the mock-up uh, and the presentation, all that sort of stuff, it's, it's a really refined process of communicating and sometimes uh, quite lengthy, expensive and a prospect, like a big journey that a patient might need to go through. So. Uh, that's what D, like my current thoughts on DSD. I think it's 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 a pretty good tool, um, but if if you're comfortable enough working with a really good lab, and getting wax ups, uh, digital wax ups even uh, through the labs, and definitely can still do it that way as well. It doesn't have to be through DSD because as some people might know, they're quite expensive, uh, but it is worth it. It is worth it for what you get. Yeah. Well, I guess um, I think you kind of already mentioned it, you know, but you know. I'll you know, of all these DPs, what's had the biggest clinical impact on you? Or, you know, what type of courses or programs would you recommend to the budding young dentist who wants to upskill or, you know, kind of follow a similar path to your? Yeah, like you mentioned, um, I guess it would be my uh, workplace was probably the biggest thing. Um, but there's the deep down uh, internal desire to learn different things and uh, at the moment it is surgery that I'm most interested in so I'm quite fortunate and the place that I'm working at is is more surgically focused um, how other people might get to discover this I guess is through just through their own experimentation and going down pathways that they think they enjoy and just trying out different things there's no no course will ever be a waste of time uh, at the end of the day, you'll learn something, either that you like something or you don't like something, but it's still a learning experience either way. So never be afraid. A lot of people come to me and say, oh, but I'm worried I don't want to do this course in case I don't actually really want to go down this pathway. But you, how can you really know if you want to go down a pathway or not unless you've tried to go down it? Um, so it's worth worth trying little courses here and there to, to try and uh, in, ignite some internal passions that you might, might have with specific fields of dentistry. And if nothing tickles your fancy in those, then do another course that might potentially inspire another part of of, um, of, of your brain that really likes endo or really likes perio, and then that's when you'll know uh, that that's what you really want to do. So never be afraid to try different courses before... Um, deciding what you really want to do. So what would you say is your current ideal clinical day looking like? You know, the type of procedures? Yeah, I guess today was probably uh, pretty close to an ideal day actually, uh, but possibly a little bit more in the stressful end of the spectrum, but um, not bad nonetheless. Uh, so in the morning today, the very first thing was a review and suture removal uh, for an implant exposure case that I'm doing. Uh, so that was a nice cruisy way to start the day. And uh, then right after that was a surgical case. Uh, we were hoping to put in four implants, but we only end up doing two. So that's what the stressful aspect was. It was a little bit trickier than we, what we'd timed for and planned for. So we pulled the plug halfway there, um, not compromising the treatment by any means, but just doing a bit less work in uh, the amount of time we had allocated. And we're coming back in a couple of weeks doing the other, other side anyway. Uh, so that was my morning to after mid-morning, I suppose. Uh, and then the afternoon, I had a uh, Seric crown, um, which was was cool. It was nice. It's nice using the Prime Scan and the Prime Mill. Um, it's a pretty cool tool. Uh, if people haven't used the Seric or the new Seric, it's really good. Makes things easier for a lot of cases. 
so that was the CEREC in the afternoon. And in between the CEREC, uh, I was scanning uh, for an Invisalign case, actually, through a friend's sister. Uh, so, yeah, I guess there's a bit of everything, a bit of surgery, a bit of reviews, a bit of prosthodontics and, uh, and a bit of Invisalign today. Um, and I, that would probably be a day that I would like to repeat. If not that, then a day where I'm doing an all on four and I just block out my whole day and just do an all on four. And that's about it. I don't really, maybe some reviews or consults in the afternoon, but nothing too strenuous after a day like that. I'm not really at the stage where I can pump out a few of those in a day. Um, so I like to take it a bit more cruisy after a big surgery like that. I think one of the things a lot of new grads realize when they want to get uh, into that early on, you know, it's pretty full on. How long would you say it takes you, you know, to do a full mouth rehab? That's like a full day, isn't it? Yeah, look, at this point in time, um, a full apparatus crown preps is three or four hours. Um, so it's, it's my morning. Um, for that level, when it's not surgically based, I don't mind having more appointments in the afternoon that involve similar things or a little bit more thinking. Um, but with surgery, I'm still not at that point yet where I'm keen to do big cases in the afternoon as well. My brain power has sort of uh, expired by the end of the <laughs> surgery. So I'm stitching up. I can't wait to finish stitching. Um, so those bigger surgical cases, uh, yeah, that's I'm not quite there yet. But for prosthodontic stuff, I'm not there yet either, but definitely much more comfortable doing bigger cases in shorter timeframes at this point in time. Um, but it does take time, like you're saying. Um, this is uh, my sixth year out now, and probably a year or two ago, it would take me yeah, a good chunk of a day to do the same thing that I'm doing now. Um, and uh, that comes with, I guess, more practical experience, more just getting more cases happening, and also just a bit more this day-to-day hand skills developing over time, allowing me to get these job, bigger jobs done at a faster rate, not necessarily compromising the care, but uh, just being able to do it quick, more quickly. I never imagined I could do that many crown preps in such a short period of time. It would take me you know, a good hour and a bit, an hour and a half when I first graduated to a crown prep and now doing 12 in, in three or four hours is uh, not something I thought I'd ever be able to do. <laughs> So definitely take, take it easy when you first graduate and you'll get there. You know, you, if that's what your passion is, you'll be able to get there. Yeah, it's, I guess it's more about the systems you kind of have in place that you've built up, you know, and everyone's all on the same page so then you can move at that kind of pace, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's having really good nurses as well and understand how you want to work and they play a big role in how quickly you get things done because if you're sitting there waiting for them to get things, it, it chews up time. So, yeah, lots of factors, um, not necessarily just uh, the skill level of, of where that person's at. I guess. What do you want your ideal clinical, non-clinical day to look like in five years' time? You know, what kind of CPD do you want to do to get to that point? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, at the moment, it would just be more of the bigger cases that I'm doing and less of the things that I don't want to be doing. Um, so uh, I still like doing fillings, but I have lost a little bit of interest in trying to make a filling look like it's better than every crown that's ever been made. Um, we don't uh, – patients appreciate it, but not enough for it to be a big impact on me to feel like I am – uh, doing them huge service uh, compared to some of the other things I do. There's not to discount people that are really amazingly talented at 
doing composites, I still look at them on Instagram and think, oh, this, is, this is amazing. Like, I wish I could do this, but I guess my passion is sort of fizzling away from that a little bit. So I guess cutting out uh, a good chunk of fillings out of my day, if I still have that many in five years' time, doing more more surgical cases for sure and expanding my scope within the surgical realm and uh, continuing continuing in the, the prosthodontic side of things with the, with the rehab cases. And uh, look, occasional root canal here and there, I don't mind. Um, so keeps things interesting, keeps the skills going. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to ever see kids. That's one thing I don't really want to want to do. I'm pretty good talking to them, but when it comes to working on them, I'm just losing interest so quickly. The last two years, uh, when I get booked a kid, I'll go to reception and say, "Why is there a kid in my book right now?" <laughs> got a therapist, so that's her job. <laughs> so. You know, you've mentioned a few already, but there, is there any particular CPD courses that are in your eyes? I know it's COVID right now, fair enough. Um, you can't travel out, but, you know, pre-COVID or after this COVID, you know, what did you want to do? Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I was saying to you before this chat started that 2020 was a year where I didn't really do much CPD. Uh, at all. I think I was just finishing Ken Lee's course at the start before Corona hit. And then since then, I didn't really look into doing uh, courses as such, but I did uh, enroll into the Masters of Implantology at Goethe University. Uh, I was quite fortunate to be accepted into the program. Uh, it was meant to start, my, my first semester was meant to start last October. Um, of course, we couldn't travel to Germany for that. It's, it's partially online, but there are four sessions in person. Uh, and uh, they potentially were going to allow uh, it to be done online with some parts ha that had to be done on campus. But it wasn't really clear or whether or not it had to be done on campus or didn't have to be done on campus. So I've just postponed that now till there's a little bit more clarity uh, what I can be doing with that. But that's definitely my next to-do list when it comes to surgery and implantology. I'd love to do my master's um, so that I have a, a really concrete foundation of everything I've already learned and been practicing and, and, and acquire some new knowledge, some more scientific backing behind all the things that I do. So that from the surgical side of things, that's what I'd really like to do. There are some amazing courses though in Australia um, that uh, some of the mentors that I've had over the years are, are running at the moment, and not to uh, advertise for them or anything like that. I'm not paid to do so, but um, <laughs> yeah, like the AIA, Implant, Australian Implant, uh, Implant Academy, they're doing some awesome courses. Dean Lysenblatt uh, was my, and Dean Lysenblatt and David Atia, uh, they were my first two guys that I, uh, got in touch with when I first started doing uh, implants. David, I went, there's two years above me at uni, so I knew him from, from a while ago, but Dean uh, was his mentor actually at uh, Goethe University. And so when they joined together and did a course for basic implantology with surgical hands-on, uh, I was quick to to do that and went to Cambodia and did that. Uh, and now they've they've sort of parted their ways in terms of uh, CPD. And David's got his own thing, I think, with the Implant Institute. And uh, Dean's got his uh, his position there at the AIAT lecturing, uh, amongst other lecturers as well. Um, so. Uh, that's a pretty good one in Australia that I, I would potentially be doing uh, some components of it because I think they've got some full arch cases, uh, full arch courses, sorry, coming up. So I'd like to to do them, um, but I'm not sure when that will be just yet. Uh, so that's that's really my mostly my CPD at the moment will be 
uh, more implant focused because I feel like there's still heaps for me to learn and maybe there might be some soft tissue stuff in there as well because that's another area that I'm lacking on at the moment and I've been not experimenting as such because I've done a few little soft tissue courses uh, but still trying out things on patients uh, with uh, let's call it 75, 85% success rates. So I'd like to, uh, to learn a few more hands-on tricks from some masters out there to, uh, to get that percentage up a bit higher and then give me a bit more confidence in the, the, the tricks uh, and tools and, and techniques that I've, uh, I've been shown already. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of courses end up meaning you need to buy a lot of equipment. Uh, so there's always something to keep in mind when you do a course, how much equipment do you need afterwards so that you can actually put in practice what you've actually been taught and learned. Otherwise you'll forget it and it will have been a bit of a waste of time. So Definitely one of the hardest things as a new grad, I think, is that they don't realize that they attend these courses, but they don't actually have the setup back at the practices. That's a hurdle. I mean, you've spent money on a course and then you can't apply it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. massive. Yeah, massive. And some some uh, places you work at might have everything. Others might turn around and say, no, you got to get it yourself. And some might get it for you. Uh, so depending on where you work uh, will be, I guess, a guide as to what your total investment in a particular avenue of training might end up costing you and if it's something you're ready for or not. Um, but yeah, there's always ways of doing it. If you really want to do it, do it, you know, that will work its way out in the end. Um, said no financial advisor ever, but yeah, that's, that's, um, <laughs> yeah, that it will, you'll get there. It's all investment in the end. Um, and there's uh, one other course actually, which some of the other CPD junkie guys um, have, have talked about, uh, which is based on like communication. Uh, that is a huge thing that almost all new grads uh, ask about and, and need, I guess, to get those bigger cases that they so desire to do actually over the line. Um, I did uh, Prime Speak, but there's there's heaps of other ones out there that are similar um, that might feel a little bit less robotic, uh, but you can always put your own flair on them anyway, uh, which is what I like to think I did. I didn't really take PrimeSpeak's uh, algorithm and um, and you use it on every person the way that they, they tell you to do it. Um, I definitely have my own little twist on it, but they still give you little tips and tricks and analogies and things like that that come in handy um, to broaden the way that you communicate with people. So yeah, communication is probably going to be one of the biggest things uh, that as a new grad you should focus on uh, as well as, as just exploring different uh, things that you might like. Yeah, sometimes it's about the soft skills than the hard clinical skills. Um, yeah. Dr. Jonathan Michael, thank you for coming on the show today. Could you let the people know how to reach you and you know what's kind of going on in your life? Uh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, you're welcome. Follow me on, on Instagram, follow a little bit of my journey, try and post up a little bit of everything on there. Um, and most welcome to always message me in the, in the DMS. And, uh, if there's anything you want to know, any courses that you want me to recommend, I'll try my best, but I'm usually pretty unbiased, but, uh, yeah, happy to, to speak to whoever wants to talk and thank you for, for having me, Lawrence. I really appreciate it. Um, honored to, uh, to have been on the, on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> have a good night. Have a good night, mate. Yeah, you too, man. Take care.